Do not open this door. I had to say it anyway because it doesn't make sense in the movie. And then I got on top and I spit into his mouth. Well, it doesn't ruin my story. It just it just makes it a conversation rather than a story. Perhaps a little drunk <laughs> no. from from the day's festivities. I would love to meet the woman who likes it. Oh, I freaking thought the moon landing. I, I love the moon landing from the standpoint of I believe in the moon landing. So um, Thursday night is the date night with the wife and I. That's our common thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of lame, I guess, but you got to keep it together. Thursday night, you pick a night and that's your date night. And um, this last Thursday... Uh, I, this is my fault. I said, um, let's just go see a movie. Let's go see a dumb movie. Let's just go see a stupid movie. Mm -hmm. So there's a movie with, uh, George Clooney, who I like. All right. You're talking about going out to a theater. Going out to a theater. Sorry. Let's go see a movie at the local Cineplex, whatever Mm -hmm. stadium seating. So there's a movie with George Clooney who I, I don't dislike. In fact, we've talked before, like he's almost like, mm, if you were to pick someone who qualifies to have like the qualities of a of a classic movie actor the way that we talk about him, yeah, he's sort yeah. of in there maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He reminds me, uh, 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 I always thought of like um, Cary Grant and actually a mm. little bit like a Cary Grant, two, two-thirds Cary Grant, one-third the guy we're going to deal with tonight. I'll talk, maybe talk about that really? later. Really? I thought there was like a core of decency in there, so I kind of always put a little Gregory Peck on him, too. But. Okay, fair. Yeah. Uh, it's with uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts, who, again, uh, in the end, she's fine. And it's like, that was the whole point. Well, let's just see, see a dumb movie. Now, I don't know how long it's been for you, Tom, since you've been in a movie theater that's crowded, like it's sold out. Literally, yeah. It's been years, and it, most of it was like COVID. And then the other thing is, my wife and I, it's like, if they're, oh, uh, a retrospective on Ingmar Bergman, you know, it's, it's always us and like two other people in the theater. Oh, man. But I, so, I, I, I fear where this is headed. So we go to this theater. It's absolutely <laughs> 100% packed. Mm. We're up in the sort of balcony area of the stadium seating. We get in there. The, the lights go down. And it's a little odd that there's like two seats left. It's a couple that come up to sit next to us. She comes to sit next to me. I point Whoa. at the seat. And the reason I'm pointing at her seat, I kind of I kind of give her the, the raised eyebrows and the point at the seat is because I can't remember if those were our seats or the ones we're in. So I'm giving her the like the eh, this if you need to switch, we'll switch whatever. This could be your seat, could be ours, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's packed in here. She looks at me kind of aghast and switches place with her husband like I'm going to like I'm going to goose her or something. It's mm. like, all right, fine. We're sitting there in the dark. The lights go out immediately everywhere. People start vaping. It's like, OK, I look, I don't care. I don't care if it's cigarettes or marijuana. Do what you're going to do. It seems to me like a little bit of a dis. Like we're living in a society here. <laughs> we, we all know the rules, <laughs> but all right. You're going to vape. That's fine. Old man yells at Cloud. Well, that's the thing, right? It's also uh, like, I, I might as well clouds. be mad because people snuck in beers or something. Chunky like, Cloud. What do I give a shit about this, yeah. this situation, right? right? But it's like, oh, it's a little off-putting. Then it's not that somebody's, have, somebody's having a conversation. It's that are multiple loud conversations happening in the theater. So there would be no point in saying to somebody, hey, I'm trying to watch a movie. I'd have to turn around and do it six times. 
Yeah. Everyone in a, in a radius around us is having a full-blown conversation. So already we're kind of like our teeth on edge. <sighs> There's a tension we, we start, to the olders. We start watching this movie. It is so lazy and awful. Now let me just give you a couple scenarios and tell me if you can complete the scenario here. Okay. So first of all, the idea, we already knew this. It's really dumb. The idea is... Clooney and Roberts are divorced. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. They hate each other. Mm-hmm. The daughter's going to graduate from Yale. She's going to go off to, to Bali as a graduation present for them. They have to see each other at the graduation. All right, it's well-worn, but it's like, okay, fine. She ends up, by the way, going to Bali and falling in love with a local seaweed farmer. So she's falling in love with the... There's also a woman. I've seen this movie, I think. So she has a roommate, and the roommate's going with her to Bali. Okay. And the roommate's like the wild... She's the wild one. So She's the one in Taken. We don't worry about that. Right. We mourn a little less. So the daughter in this in this scenario turns to the friend says, and the friend says, we're going for seven days. Will this, will these be enough condoms? And she pulls out like 27 condoms. Oh, no. you're a whore. Right. So then the next day they're walking to the airport. She's drunk or she's hung over, I should mm-hmm. say. So guess what she's doing? Anytime someone talks. quit shouting quit shouting they get to bali they meet the 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 boys balinese mother she doesn't speak english she they go to up to meet her she turns to julie roberts and and she gives a like 30 second balinese julie roberts turns that was authentic as shit julie roberts turns to the sun and says what did she say what did she say hello hello uh, okay, now, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, each gotcha. one of these things that I mentioned to you, there are others. Belly laughs on the floor mm. from the audience. They are, they've never heard comedy this amazing. And it's just my wife and I, it's grating and grating on us with each moment of these idiots who mm. don't understand that these these jokes are older lame. than... Very my grandfather's mule's cunt. I mean, it's it's old fucking jokes. So we I just she finally much. turns to me. And she goes, "It's about twenty minutes. We make it through twenty minutes. You want to leave?" I go, "Yeah, let's." Leave. We go down the steps to the stadium. We turn around the corner, and as we're turning around the corner, we hear another gem, you know, three thousand year old joke coming. And just as it's being delivered, we both instinctively <laughs> at the same time cupped like a megaphone cup around our mouths. And we went, "Ah!" Because we're immature, but we were so angry, so angry, Tommy. What does it have to do with anything? I don't know. Maybe the segue is that George Clooney does remind me of of Cary Grant, but also yeah. a little bit of Clark Gable because Clark Gable and Cary Grant had similar qualities here. They're very different in many ways. Okay. I mean, Cary Grant's smooth and and, and Clark Gable's glib as fuck too. Yeah. And Clark Gable's smooth, but like rugged man smooth. Right. And and he's the glib one. He's the one I'm making that comment. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, that's definitely. But they thing. both have Facile. this super handsome dudes who have like a a, a de- self deprecating sense of humor. I think. Right. Right. That's what I think, and they seem to be like the good guys. They're the, they're the good guys. Roguish. But nice. Joe Hearts of gold all the way around. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry I had to tell that long story because we've been getting a couple of emails lately that oh. one of us, and I know they're talking about me, likes to quote-unquote filibuster at the beginning of these episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> about things that have nothing to do with movies, and there I just did it again. You just want a movie to commit to its jokes better. I mean, if you're going to tell that joke, you want to go like, she, is this enough? And she pulls out like a box of latex gloves, you know. 
Oh, is that an anal probing joke? Yeah, fisting concept, but you know, like, really like buy it. Yeah. Have you? How long have you been saving that since the beginning of the story? <laughs> That's since what you were then. antsy about over there. Yeah, since when? Yeah, <laughs> that was your hemorrhoids. All right. So, so we're talking about um, Clark Gable here. I picked the the movies here. I tried to get a range here, mm-hmm. um, and immediately people are going to note like, <coughs> "Well, what about this?" Yeah, I mean, this happens every time. And so, the obvious one that we're not doing, but probably deserves its own sometime, is it happened one night. Of course, yeah. But that's more Capra than it is. I, I would go Capra. Yeah, yeah, or or even what? Uh, oh shit, Claudette Colbert. Yeah, Claudette Colbert. Yeah, or yeah. even its own film. I mean, it's such an industrious film. I mean, it's the first one, first and like really... one of only three that won all the the major Academy Awards, and and it really kind of invented the concept of the modern rom com, which yeah, is, okay. screwball comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, it's it's genuinely a groundbreaking movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are those are always good to cover. Is but yeah, um, no, you're right. That is like one of the first I think people would think about. We have covered him sort of tangentially. We've done uh, other things for sure. Right, like the uh, was it the uh, Soldier of Fortune? Soldier of Fortune, the uh, the uh, the Wild Ones. Is that right? Wild Ones? No, fuck. Well, there's Soldier of Fortune, but we also did Comrade X, but that was a Hedy Lamarr episode. You're right, right. No, 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 another one. Eli Wallach and no, we didn't do Monroe. that. One. We never did that. We haven't done it. Sorry, we just haven't done that. The Misfits. Yeah. No, but we should do that sometime. I agree with you. The Wild Misfit ones. Yeah, the Wild Misfit ones. <laughs> but but Clark Gable. I mean, am I right in saying this? First of all, um, post Silent Era, or I guess the Sound Era, he's the first hunk of the Sound Era. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, and and I have to say this: he's also got this thing that I I think Clooney has as well, which is they've got longevity. Like mm-hmm. that motherfucker, like Clark Gable was a was a serious hunk for thirty years. Thirty years, yeah. And I think yeah. Clooney, if uh, Clooney is in that same neighborhood, yeah, I suppose, that, yeah. That that really the beautiful fucking genetics. Oh my god, if you ever had a baby with that new wife of his, woof. Yeah, although I will say this, unlike. Cary Grant. Cary Grant was long after he retired, and he he had like the gigantic Swifty Lazar glasses and silver hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was still goddamn good looking. Yeah, yeah. Clark yeah. Gable, I will say this: he played the hunk, but he was odd looking toward the end. He had like a Carol Channing well, thing going on. But he was always there. kind of odd looking. He always had those mm. fucking ears. You know, yeah, he was true, and he's got an odd face. I was kind of noticing that, like on the movie first movie we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. Yeah, he's not classically handsome by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of it's his but attitude. That fucking charm, you know. It's a charm. It's the attitude. And no. also, like, well, there's uh, there's a there's a myth. There's a there's a legend around him. I yep. always wondered if it was actually true like that he teeth? had all his teeth. Yeah, yeah. He, well, had he, them all well, I, he had them all knocked out so he could put fresh ones in. Right. Somebody said, uh, I think it was our, our cousin actually who pointed this out to us, that um, as a result he had like Robin Williams level stink. All, all the women who had to kiss him were like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> really? like he had horrible mouth breath. <laughs> like a pastrami sandwich lodged back then. I mean, the only one, I mean, it was interesting because Saratoga, we did that film, but it was for, for Jean Harlow. No. Sarah, um, uh, Jean Harlow, when she was dying, they said you could smell her mouth f- from outside the house. Like, literally, like, as soon as you entered the house, it was like, what is that? It was her, her, she, her mouth was rotting from the inside. Mm. Imagine that set where she and Clark Gable are, are you know, <laughs> bumping lips baby wow they didn't have, they had covid back then 
But but Clark Gable, so it's like, um, yeah, he he comes in like nineteen thirty two, like Red Dust, and then and then it happened one night, and he's a hunk, like uh, the first talkie hunk, I think, right? Because yeah. it's like Douglas Fairbanks and Tyrone, uh, uh, who's the guy, Rudolph Valentino. Well, I think Rudy Valentino may precede him then, if we're going there. No, 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 I'm saying, I, but they were of the silent era. He was the first one of yeah, the silent okay, era, right? Okay, and he was right. actually called the King of Hollywood, I think, right? I believe so. He's yeah. the first one. I mean, one. he should have been. Is Michael Jackson was the was the king of pop. Howard Stern was the king of all media. And I think they gave themselves that name, and I believe he did too. Yeah, probably. I think and, you just say it. Yeah, let's not forget the king of rock. Who's the king of rock? Elvis, king of rock and roll. Oh, rock and roll. The king, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to make the following case. Here. You do that, and for- let's let's we, we would we could slide right into our first movie, 1936's San Francisco. Yeah, I don't, I I really like 1950s Clark Gable. Mm-hmm. I I put 1950s Clark Gable somewhere. He might sneak into my top ten, maybe. Okay, top fifteen for sure. But I don't understand how he got famous or to begin with, because outside of it happened one night. I don't think his 30, 30s movies are that great. Oh, yeah. I uh, I would agree with you on that. No, I'm going to agree with you on that, yeah. I don't think he really sort of came into his own until he was later on. But he was huge. He was huge, yeah. Enormous. Well, look, here's the thing. The popularity of movies like San Francisco should tell you that those movies were not made for us in, in a very real sense. Like, this was mass media for that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of Catholic priests and opera mm-hmm. singing uh, is was whoa that was that was fucking spectacle people loved it yeah but it was I mean even, they ate that shit up uh, even in that sense like I can think of two other movies that mirror parts of San Francisco mm-hmm. and and one of them he's in Manhattan melodrama with he and William Powell and Myrna Loy mm-hmm. which eventually gets sort of made into like a different version with James Cagney and, and uh, Pat O'Brien with Angels with Dirty Faces mm-hmm. and there's a number of them especially in Warner Brothers in the 30s and that's like <coughs> two kids grew up on the on the rough side one right. becomes a cop no, slash priest becomes, slash yeah. district attorney the other becomes a, like a gangster type right. but they're still friends somehow mm-hmm. throughout and and I'm going to say that this movie, which I'm counting as like two thirds one movie and one third another movie, I want to talk about that in a second, is the two thirds movie where it's about that, where it's not about the earthquake, but it's about that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the worst version of them all that I've seen. Yeah, it's not strong. It's, it's yeah. the funny thing is this movie is really three different parts, and one of them is sort of coinciding with one of the others. Oh, I was gonna say two parts. So give me your third. Oh well, it's the it's the story, um, you know, of their uh, supposed relationship, which. Again, it's just very lazy writing. Between really uh, Spencer Tracy, the the, the priest. Oh no, and... no. Okay, well there is that story too. Okay, but I, that kind of takes took a backseat for me. It was more like his uh, Clark Gable's relationship with this woman, Jeanette McDonald. Right, Jeanette yeah. McDonald. But there's like there's that story right there, which I guess yeah it took a, a much bigger front seat for me than did the Spencer Tracy part. I okay, because that was so kind of trite and done. I, I really I was like, yeah, okay, that's the thing. Yeah. Right. But but then there's a then in the middle of it it turns into a freaking opera that's very hard to watch for me. Yeah. To be honest. To and then it's it. the earthquake at the end. Yeah, well, agreed. I mean and, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I just I just want to say this cuz like I'm I'm and I I I bring a certain bias to this movie mm-hmm. cuz I was I did a, uh, I did the, the Barbary Coast uh, 
walking tour yeah. for like five to six years in SF. So what I thought was really interesting is the opening scene, how they used, they they shot on location. Yeah. Like the, like the opening thing of like the party on, on New Year's. Uh, they really, that, that was kind of cool. Um, I think the production of this movie is actually really cool. It's really good. Yeah. It's excellent. The, like the earthquake stuff. Yeah. I, like, like they're taking some very serious liberties with some of the geography, but everyone does that in a movie. Sure. And, um, yeah, but like that earthquake with like the, the ground rises up yeah. and people fall into the crack. That's pretty fucking cool. Let's be honest. Well, uh, and <coughs> you, you and I also have another bias, you know, in that I, th- I want to say it was Dolores Park, but maybe I think it was Dolores Park. Yeah, it was Dolores our, Park. Yeah. Our great grandparents met as a result of the 1906 earthquake in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, in of the, that, uh, one of the camps there. In the camps. And it was our great grandmother's family was pushing a piano into the park and our great grandmother was playing for people to like comfort them or whatever. And that's how she met the family of our great grandfather. So right. it's like, we owe our existence to the, to the great earthquake and to some extent. It's, yeah. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you and I have studied it. We've talked about it before. There's so many great stories of like um, Caruso, the opera singer being sort of scared out of his wits and, and, and saving the one thing that meant to him, anything to him, which was a trunk full of like 57 self-portraits. There's all kinds of mythology around a, yeah. st- a weird stampede or a weird stampede story in the Mission District. I mean, uh, we have a, a personal history. We kind of mm-hmm. love the story. Um, you know, you have the walking tour thing. And so we have all these reasons to like it. And we're forgiving, like you say. Like, we, we're going to watch Bullet and love it. And, and we're yeah, not going to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. get hung up on the fact that he turns down one street that doesn't connect with another. We just go, ah, that's funny. We know Her about miles. that. No one yeah. else does. Mm-hmm. But we actually think it is a cool thing. So, like, there's all this stuff to love about it. But the earthquake doesn't happen until the last third or fourth of the movie. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, the way this movie comes about, by the way, is Jeanette McDonald. Um, saw the screenplay and the screenplay was written by a woman who went on to write um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes which is a movie mm. I just love for some reason we should talk about mm. sometime that's yeah, a guilty pleasure a though. guilty I get pleasure that. yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah. Um, but but she took the script to I, I is it Warner Brothers or Columbia whatever the, the, the studio is I don't remember but she takes it and says Columbia. I really want to get this done and she has enough pull somehow to get this done mm. she says I insist that Spencer Tracy played the role of the priest, so he gets on there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what's his name? Clark Gable didn't want to do it. And apparently the story behind this is that he had um, um, all these illicit affairs that I guess women were willing to blackmail him, and the studio paid them all off. And then they were like, "This is we're calling you in your debt. You're doing this movie, <laughs> San Francisco, which he did not want to do. Yeah. And he and Jeanette Mac- McDonald... They hated, hated each, other. each other. Yeah, yeah. I hate to say it, but that chemistry kind of comes across. The well, I gotta say this too. Like, she clearly is a good singer, but I have never <laughs> seen a more lifeless actress in my life. She's she's pretty. Yeah. Uh, there's everything that should be there on paper, but she is just has no. I'm not even saying sexual or, 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 or like attractiveness. Just no magnetism as a human being. Right. Yeah, she does nothing not there. pop off. The there screen is no in, there there, and way. he totally does. Yeah. And so yeah, does Spencer I, Tracy in his own his own way. Right. So yeah. it is such a it's it's weird that she's the one who made this whole thing come together, and yet she is the weakest link by far. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love. But I do have to point this out. I love that. Uh, you know. Again, playing to the Catholic bias of that kind of that era of Hollywood for yeah. sure 
particularly, you know, uh, but um, the Spencer Tracy, when he first appears uh, yeah. after the earthquake, mm-hmm. immaculately dressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Later on, they put a little, they put a little chalk mark uh, on his yeah. collar so yeah. that we know that he's been uh, through a terrible disaster. But <laughs> that was really fucking hilarious. Like, his ridiculous. first appearance, like yeah. he should have been like with a halo. Yeah. Uh, he's so, he was so that. And he was at that time, um, like the heaviest of boozers. I mean, he was a monster, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He was, he was not the likable person he seemed to be on screen at no, all. It's called acting people. Whereas, whereas Clark Gable apparently was a kind of a decent, likable, not you know, he, eschewed the the thing that he started with the King of Hollywood thing. He strikes me as being one of those people, you know, yeah. like, well, like, and then, and maybe this is where the comparison to Clooney really comes across. Mm-hmm. Like Clooney's famously uh, like a nice guy. Mm. And I think that's, we're like I think that. that's a lot probably of, true. With people that. think just because we're handsome, Tom, doesn't mean that we can't be nice. Well, but. we dress well anyway. Shit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, the story of course is it's, he's blacky Norton, yeah, yeah. the same as Barbary coast, you know, uh, casino entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. Dance hall. And, uh, you know, Gambling. those, those old sort of dance hall scenarios too, where it's, or, you know, vaudeville or you know, where it's like some of those acts were just so not entertaining, but, but she, Jeanette McDonald is, you know, the classic sort of like in San Francisco homeless, basically looking for a job, looking for a break in showbiz. You know but it, did a better job of this storyline right here. That's it. Pocket full of miracles. Like this concept of the innocent who walks in, who wanders in and gets mixed up with a gangster guy. Type, oh, you know, uh, I guess so much more entertaining than this movie's version of it. Well, but but wait, but but in Pocket full of miracles, or, yeah, or she turns whore immediately. Yeah, but wait, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the uh, the girlfriend. Oh, hope. Oh, hope. I'm thinking of Betty Davis for some Oh, time. man, what well, this horror no, for no, sure, you're right. my friend. Yeah, but she's a subplot in, in well, Pocketful of Miracles. Remember where she kept those apples. <laughs> but but uh, that's Hope Lang, right? Hope Lang in Pocketful yes, of Miracles that's right. is, I couldn't remember is her name a subplot. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Jenna McDonald's is, is half the plot here. And, and she's she's a, a trained opera singer. Uh, by the way, when, when she sings opera, I actually don't mind it. It's when she sings the show tunes in an operatic voice, it is one of the most grating noises you've ever heard. As God is my witness, if I never hear uh, San Francisco open your Golden Gate the one San more time. San Francisco. All right, I have a cup of tea here, smarty pants. You mm-hmm. wear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'll you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she's just unlikable, and you want to give her credit, especially knowing the backstory for making this happen, but it is a pay you. And then, um, you know, he's just sort of carrying the, the movie on his charisma. Yeah. By the way, something we didn't mention before about his whole thing. I, Groucho Marx, one of the problems with restoration of films is that you be, you see, oh, wait, that's a big grease-painted mustache on, on Groucho Marx. <laughs> that's not even a fake mustache. I think, is that kind of the same thing with, with Clark Gable sometimes? Is that drawn on? I don't know. I just I, it, it didn't really occur. I didn't it's such a weird it. John Waters mustache. It, it it looks a little in restored versions like that could be a phony. Maybe it could be a Merkin, a misplaced Merkin. Might be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that that's one of the things. I think HD. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't want to sound like old man shouts at cloud again here. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, whoo! I, I I just remember. I think I watched. I was watching like Band of Brothers on an HD TV or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like this. Really? He's motherfucker's got pores like. Oh, it's I don't mind that. It's just too clear. It's I don't like, mind it's, that. It looks, 
it, it it hits uncanny valley. I can deal with that aspect of HD. The HD for classic films is the problem is because I remember watching From Here to Eternity on HD and it was like they moved in a strange fashion. Like it doesn't quite mm. capture the movement correctly. Mm, okay. It's like a dream, Tommy. Ooh, it's like a dream. And I'm king of Hollywood and knock my own teeth out. Yeah, okay. And I'm singing San Francisco, open your golden gates, baby. Well, as long as the teeth are out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then it's like, it, it, unless you're done, unless you want to linger on this, the last sort of the movie, I really enjoyed. When the earthquake happens, mm-hmm. I think it's great, man. First of all, the editing is way ahead of its time for 1936. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty it's amazing. Like, it's got like a French Connection style. It's, it's got editing. all those other things going on, the set design. Yeah. The art, it's really, it's really interesting. And then the only thing is, I love that ending up until like they meet in the park and she's singing gospel. I'm like, oh god, I really, yeah. I really. And he's like, I want to speak to God. You I'm see like, that coming? I just can't the buy that from corner like King. Jamie Durante's nose. But you know what? I don't mind because it's like, okay, once they plant the whole like everyone he meets after the earthquake is like, well, just ask God for help. It's like, uh, and you know, you've had Spencer Tracy waiting the winds. I accept the premise. I'm fine with it. He's finding God. God's helping everyone. Yeah, but Fantastic. God did this. God killed those people. Well, let's not blame God. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> let's not drag God into this, Tommy. Um, yeah, I mean, fair enough. But I mean, I, I, I'll go along with the premise. But I actually found it kind of move. Besides technically interesting for 1936, it was a little bit moving. I was surprised at how moving it was. Hmm, okay. Yeah, you got a cat or a kid or something underneath a pile of bricks. Come on, moving. Yeah, I remember I was watching it, and then like at one point you hear some dog in the background whimpering. I was like, oh, that's not okay. No. No, oh, save that dog. But the dog had knocked its own teeth out and had some fake choppers <laughs> and a little penciled mustache. <laughs> and way more charisma than the than his uh, doggy girlfriend <laughs> that's here. That's right. She couldn't carry a tune. Oof. Or could. Carried it too far. Anyway. It's definitely a movie where, like, somehow it could make it into the three-star category, but only by virtue of that ending. And you have to sift, you have to wait a long time. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that ending is is actually, I was just trying to think, this is, you know, one of one of the litmus is, would we recommend a movie or something like that? Mm. From the standpoint of the technical achievement of that earthquake, yeah. maybe? But that's kind of it. That doesn't seem like enough for me to want to recommend this movie to most Part people. of me assumes that You're this, gonna love this. the type of person who listens to this podcast is the same type of people we were growing up, like so desperately lonely. We just watched any old movie and we would sit through it. and You know what I mean? So like, right. it's hard not to recommend, recommend a movie sometimes unless it's so terribly bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Flower Drum Song for you is like, there's the limit. You know, everyone has their, like, this, Ode to Billy Joe. We have our movies that we just won't recommend, but this isn't, like, a, that level. No, at I all. don't want this movie to jump off the Tallahatchie Bridge. That's for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I, and I just want to say to all the uh, all of our fans who are like Joe and I yep. uh, at uh, as teenagers watching yep. these movies, uh, stop touching yourself. Stop that. <laughs> Okay. Open your goal again. Well, I don't know if I can. Oh, I don't think I can. It is quite something, this movie, in that I think it's just a dud for two thirds, mm-hmm. and I'd say a winner for a third, but you can't watch the last third without the context of the, the stuff you have to muddle through. Actually, I bet you could. Might not be bad. I mean, he's looking for her in the rubble. I mean, who cares unless you've seen, but of course. If you no. see her, you don't care either. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's <laughs> the weirdest quest to yeah. to nowhere in, in right. any movie. Yeah. All, All right. right. So to me, so the reason I chose the next film. Oh, I mean, why wouldn't you? 
to okay i'll tell you why i struggled for a minute here now i made the right decision but i before we mention this next film i want to give an honorary mention of a film i love and i'd like to see it make it some other episode we do sometime Mm -hmm. same year earlier that year i simply love teacher's pet with clark gable doris day and tab hunter and mimi van doren where clark gable plays a, a, a a newspaper editor and he he wants he's fall, falls head over heels with Doris Day who's teaching a journalism class at night school so he pretends not to know anything about journalism. Come on, baby! I want to say I maybe have seen that because for a minute there I didn't recognize. Teacher's pet, and it's got Tab Hunter. Tab <coughs> Hunter who was like such a, a cool like second banana in the fifties and then ended up killing his family in the seventies. I think footnote. Mm, okay. Anyway, so Better I Hollywood Babylon. But having said that, it would have made a weird sort of bookend. And so I chose the more natural choice, which is later on in that year, Run Silent Run Deep. Great movie. With with the Burt Lancaster oh. and Clark, Clark Gable. Gable. Yes. And a notable smaller role with Mr. Don Rickles in his debut. Yeah, that's right. Did, did he have hair? No. Oh, who knows? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What he was saying? a hockey puck back then. Nah. I gotta tell you, man. I I knew that. Give I me liked, a minute, Frank. I knew that I liked. <laughs> I knew that I liked this movie, but I hadn't seen it in twenty years. I watched it the other night. My wife was off somewhere, probably watching a terrible. Well, probably going back to see that movie, in the theater. I watched it. I had the apartment in myself. I tell you, it was. Uh, I had the best time. That movie was zim zamming. It was flipping flopping. It was uh, be bopping and scatting. That movie right was right into the fucking mountain at the end on that one. But yeah, okay. I did. Yeah, zim zamlin. Well, I can't, I'm up. trying to find words for it, man. I mean, it, it was it was on. <laughs> I was on fire watching that movie. I was like having a the it time. It was non ratchet. I think is what you're trying to say. <laughs> I used the time I used to have when I was uh, uh, 11 yeah. years old at your dad's house. I mean, it was yeah, like this it was is a so movie good. that travels well. It was full flamming and zipping, man. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I wish I you would go, go, go so flim and flam somewhere else. I mean, bebop a boobop. Yeah. Oh, my God. But All I right, mean, there's SpongeBob square fucking pants over here. Oh, uh, no. Come on. This is an adult show. Now nah, you've joined me. Listen, I, I do We're think... talking about fisting last movie. Fair enough. I, uh, I, Clark is getting old. He's, he only makes two movies after this. Yeah. He's a little mm-hmm. long in the face yep. and the tooth. Um. Uh, uh, Burt Lancaster is like just off of like Sweet Smell of Success. Yeah. So he's doing that thing where it's like artsy movie, then popular movie, etc. cetera. Uh, good. Talking about a George Clooney reference there. Yeah, for sure. Good combo. Those yes. Two. Those two actually had some really great chemistry in that movie. I, I, I wonder what it is about. Can you think of a bad submarine movie? Uh, well, the movie from that time period, like if you want to go to like you know McHale's Navy starring Tom Arnold, then fuck <laughs> no. you. But no, uh, well, no counties. First of all, I think there's only one like great submarine movie ever, and yeah. that and that's what? Well, it's Dust Boot. Dust Boot, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Um, but in terms of like a stupid, really... come on. <laughs> I always want to make sure. I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> but the movie I always compare McHale's this Navy to is a movie we've actually talked about before. It's it's 1952's Submarine Command with William Holden, Nancy Olsen, William mm-hmm. Bendix. Um, and I before reviewing this movie the other night, I probably would have said Submarine Command is the the better movie. But no, this no. is the better movie by far. Yeah, I would say this it's one. The only thing that really sort of uh, puts uh, to me challenges this movie as far as sub movies. Yeah, uh, Enemy Below with Robert Mitchum. 
Kurt Jurgen. Yeah, I, I'm not. A, I, for different reasons. To me, I'd rank that as the number third. But yeah, it's, but okay. So look, what's great about a submarine movie? First of all, it's there's something about it that's just a very compelling microcosm of human conflict. I think you're. That's it. I mean, it, I, this is how I would have put it. It's a little like Twelve Angry Men. It's it's first of all confined space, right? Right, and sort of all the tension. It's like, wow, you, you have tension built into that situation, yeah. right? I mean, there's no space to move around. I mean, in a sense, it's got that that feel. It, it it's like a play, but without the theatricality of the play. So you get like sort of the natural tension of that environment, and then you put it at war, much more tension. Yeah, and then you have. Uh, different ideas from like the two people at the top that's and and then you take those ideas that's an interesting combination because clark gable's character now he takes uh burt lancaster is supposed to get command of a submarine yeah that clark gable who's who's gone into the bungo straits this sort of like bermuda triangle of war and he's he's got a desk job waiting to get back out there um, Clark Gable fixes it so that he actually takes the command away from Burt Lancaster. Right. Okay, now, Clark Gable is wrong, mm-hmm. but likable. Burt Lancaster is right, but bitter. Yes. And it's a beautiful combination. Yeah, yeah. They, they were really well cast in this movie, the yeah. two of those guys. And again, yeah. between their mutual chemistry and... Um, you know, just their the skills they brought to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really um, it was kind of a nicely restrained role for Clark Gable. I agree. Yeah, I he agree. was not. I mean, the roguish thing got got, got put mostly on the back burner. As, yeah. As, uh, but not the sneaky part. <laughs> he definitely had that going on. Yeah. Now, I, the if there are any sort of failings in this movie, and there are very few. I mean, I think it's a really great movie. If there are any, if there are things that are sort of out of the control. It's almost like the studio's fault. Now, like I'm talking about, like they have the requisite um, newbie sailor, the kid yeah. who's like, "Golly, I didn't know," and like jinxes things, and you know, of course, gets killed. Right. Although they have and that a was great still surprising wa- to people back then. So, but they have a good way of getting rid of bodies. I think it's really cool. Oh yeah. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. And then you have Don Rickles. I like Don Rickles. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he's retarded in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's really retarded. And then they have things like there's, a, there's a, like a pinup with her ass sticking out, and it's like the whole company like taps her, her tushy, her tushy as like on a, the keysta because they all have the same sort of like well the you zim and examine on the zimzoid. You were in the navy. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. some of this is caricature, and some of it's probably true. Like, I mean, I know that the navy has um, kind of a, a high. Um, number of uh what do you call them um superstitions you know right right, right, right. but it just seemed like it was just playing too much into a lot of those things now i'm only saying that because i really like the movie and it's like uh, here were the parts where you every once in a while you had to settle in and go all right let's do this for two minutes let's Hmm. uh you know but but it's great and um you know no i tell you what let me okay so here's the thing uh, I don't even think it's a superstitious necessarily. Mm-hmm. I guess it would come in this category. It would, but like I remember just in boot camp, in fucking boot camp, like around. So it was an eight week camp, but we were there for an extra month at the beginning. It sucked. Um, but like week five and six, everybody comes down sick because you just want to hear a female fucking voice. That's not true on ships anymore because there are actually women on combatant vests. Uh, uh, vessels, but there's a there's a mythicality that comes to women amongst men who are just that fucking isolated from them, 
It's really, it's it's kind of a fascinating thing. Oh well, I'm not even. I wasn't necessarily referring uh, to that. I just meant the sort of like. There were cliches that didn't. I mean, it was it was a a good enough story that I was surprised every once in a while when they lingered so intentionally on some cliches. Yeah, I thought if 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 this movie had a real weakness for me, it's like I mean, it really was the best they could do with the practical effects they had at the time. But those destroyers coming at them through the periscope uh-huh. couldn't possibly have looked more like Ravel models. I mean, it was just yeah, yeah as, no, that's true. That's Something rough... in a bathtub, maybe, and yeah. And, uh, but there's some tense scenes. Come on, baby. What about the uh, the the depth charges? Oh, dude. That's the other thing too. If you want to talk about like if if as a Navy person you were going to be superstitious, you couldn't do it better than in the fucking submarine corps. That's that's a special kind of crazy and depth charges. Yeah, that's a fucking terrible, terrible way to die. It's claustrophobic. <clears throat> well, like in the most literal sense of the word, as the fuck, as the I mean, hull unless, crushes you. Unless you're in the Polish Navy, which I understand the submarines have screen doors. Well, yeah, absolutely. But the Italian Navy—that's where they have the glass. They have glass on the bottom of their boats, so that you can see the old Italian Navy. Wow, you and wow. I have known each other for a long time. Oh, you hockey puck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we read the same joke books. When we that's were kids, right. <laughs> well, it started with regular joke books, and then it was uh, the truly tasteless, totally tasteless. And then, of course, this wasn't a joke book, but real men don't eat quiche. Was the that yeah, was, was a joke book? <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, your uh, dad didn't know things that, that warped you and I in our early years. Who wrote yeah. our own? Do you remember our real kids don't eat granola? Oh yeah, dad yeah, had a yeah. copy of that mm-hmm. for years. No, oh, it was treasured. Yeah, but uh, I okay. feel like I want to say more about this because I, I had such a good time. But I guess it's a fairly simple premise, and it, it's just fun. Okay, so premise is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clark Gable. Yeah. Uh, let's just run th- run through that part of it real mm-hmm, quick. Mm-hmm. Clark Gable is a uh, submarine captain. Yep. He's in the Bungo Straits. He got sucker punched by another sub. And he's like well, the third well, no, of... by, a, by, by a destroyer. Yeah, and he's like not the first one or the last one who gets sunk in the It's got a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. he's trying to figure this out. He wants to pull off the difficult bow shot. And so, as you said, he tricks uh, the Navy into giving him command of the same submarine that they were going to give to Bert. And he decides he wants to go back there despite all the orders to stay yep. away because it's... As has been proved, it's a death trap for subs, yeah. and um, he does everything but outright um, disobey orders. I mean, he does disobey well, orders. No, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like but he, he does finds all a that way stuff. that it's like it's reasonable. What's like, wrong he, with the What's wrong with that radio of yours, Smitty, or you know right, something right, like that? Right, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and 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 so he gets his way, and we have our our showdown with that. Uh, Destroyer and the Bungo Straits. But what's interesting about the showdown... There's between, a lot of cool shit happens in between. Between he and Burt Lancaster is... I mentioned before that Burt Lancaster is bitter and yeah. right. But he also, because he's a good officer, he defends Gable against a lot of the crew. Who's like, what are you? That's where a, are you taking the executive us? Including officer's other exact officers. job right there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I liked that extra sort of tension in there as well. Right. Well, and then there's, there's the other tension too, which is he's also a stickler. And he doesn't want to go back to the bungo strains. So they're right. like that yeah. whole thing. So he's yeah. in a sense he's right for wanting to kick the captain out of the top yeah. job. So yeah. And there are like neat little tricks we won't mention about how they trick the enemy and, and uh Oh, and by the way, Jack Warden is in this too. That's this right. is the year after uh uh Twelve Angry Man when he played Jury number six. Okay. And he's such a I Jack Warden was a kind of a national treasure. He and Ned Beatty. 
Okay. Right? I mean, just in terms of that. Categorize it. Yeah. People well, they're, they're never stars. It. Yeah, yeah they sure. just they carry a certain amount of it. They're likable. Uh, fucking Ned Beatty was amazing at that, man. Yeah. Yeah, Ned Beatty was great. Uh, but, um, yeah, this is such a... And like I said, and, and just a lot of really good stuff. And I think part of it, too, is, is some of the better submarine movies that I can think of have mm-hmm. that have a very distinct tension. So you look at this one. Oh, hold on. Okay, so we look at this one. Have you ever seen, um, was it uh, Crimson Tide? Yeah. It's a good one, too, because it has the moral, it has it has a moral element to it as well. Turn your key, Tom. There's always a Turn little bit. Turn your key. See, that's another thing about submarines is, is it's a sneaky way to kill a lot of people in a short period of time. So there's always a moral quandary involved. You mean as submarine operators or, or killing yeah. submarine people? That, too, I guess. Both, both. Right. It goes both ways. Who's the, the first guy? Honestly, like... I think about even when I'm watching Running, Run Silent, Run Deep, which is like, that's a movie that's 65 years old, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm still marveling at the shit that's in that sub. Like, how, who the hell came up? I mean, I know the submarine is like from the oh. 15th century or something, but it's like, who who first decided this was a good idea? That person's a genius and a, and a uh, moron. Yeah, the first person who did that was a Confederate <laughs> Navy guy. And they all died. They all no, drowned. no, but they had submarines before. They had them in well, the 15th century. They had submarine century. concepts and designs, but yeah. the first actual submarine with a mm-hmm. motor that managed to, it was a cold-powered motor. It was almost killed everybody in, in, the, yeah. in the thing. But that's okay, because they drowned. But how do you uh, keep, you just keep doing that. That's like, that's an idea, like, oh, I guess yeah. planes the same way. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. How many people died trying to just get a plane off the ground? Like, yeah. Pretty, like, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, fuck. I love this movie. It's such. A I good think movie. it's a great movie. I think it's now. This is one unlike San Francisco. You don't have to talk anyone into like the patient. I think I would uh, really honestly say Clark Gable, Burt Lancaster. Go. Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. the, the fact that the movie holds up yeah. is. But don't you don't you see what I mean? Like way. like you look at this movie. Yeah. You look at the misfits. You look at Teacher's Pet. You don't remember, but I love that movie. You look at we love Soldier of Fortune. Uh, Soldier of Fortune. I think fifties Clark Gable is way better than thirties Clark Gable. Forties he's, he's gone half. He's the time. more interesting. I don't know why. Maybe just the fact that he's older and his face looks older. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe that's it. All right, Tommy. Good. Ah, uh, Joseph. Oh. All righty, buddy. Oh, sorry. No problem. Oh, hey, I got to say really quick before yeah, we go. please, please. Dude, um, we were talking about this last week. Uh-huh. And I think I could have saved your uh, your movie-going experience. Yeah, go ahead. With what I came up with last Which week. Which is? Squirt bottles, baby. What is it? Squirt bottle. Squirt bottle? Yeah. You bring a squirt bottle into the movie theater, the cocksuckers start talking, oh. you turn around and shoot them with the squirt yeah, bottle. Yeah, that would go well, I'm sure. The same crowd who who does all this stuff is a crowd who would react well to that. Well, they could probably use it because they're stinky hippies. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> all right. Let's see ya. All right, bye.